0: everyone and welcome to broadcast his love we have one of my dear friends on Christy Allen she's a registered nurse with a Bachelor of Science in nursing and she has an extra certification in critical care nursing making Christy a critical care registered nurse and right now we are talking to her from New York where she's using her God-given gifts and abilities to help out the people there who are facing COVID nineteen, the victims of this, and also coming along and helping doctors and nurses? Hey,
1: Christy. Hi there. Oh, how's it going? It's going great. It's so great to be with you.
0: you so great too. to chat.
1: Yes. So, how are you? Like, what is going on where you are? I'm doing great. I feel um, I feel good. I came here about two and a half weeks ago. Um, to work in a hospital um, in on the west side of Long Island, right next to Queens and um, uh, queens new york and uh, and Brooklyn. I couldn't think of it for a second. Yeah. So Queens and Brooklyn and it's on, yeah, the West side of of Long Island. And I just signed up to say, Hey, I'm a critical care nurse. I want to come and help. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm working in a hospital and a makeshift ICU that they set up for COVID-19 patients. And that's where I find myself. (laughs) Wow. So you are You
0: live in Pensacola, which we know each other from Pensacola, Florida, and you just felt like you received the call from the Lord. Like, how did that happen where you're like, okay, here's this pandemic happening. I can be useful in this situation. How did that all happen?
1: Right. So I was just working at my regular job in a hospital where I've been for 10 years. And like everyone else, started seeing stuff on uh, the news about how bad it was in some places in New Orleans and New York and Washington, California, Miami. And I, at the same time, our hospital was starting to downsize its uh, level of number of patients, procedures. They were emptying out the hospital. Okay just in preparation if we were going to have any sort of a surge and a lot of people were a lot of nurses and medical staff were getting sent home and i just thought why am i sitting here in a place where we have excess medical personnel when there are cities that are hemorrhaging with need. Hmm. Uh, So I just called a friend who had done some travel nursing for a while and asked her, Hey, do you like the company that you're working for? that's sending you, do you like your recruiter? Do you trust them? And she uh, said emphatically yes. And she put me in contact with that organization, that company. And so I just called him up the next day and said, Hey, what would it take to go help to wow. go work? Um, and initially I'd asked me about New Orleans just because I grew up there and I had family there. But at the time he said, well, I really need to send you to New York. And he wanted to send me as early as like four days from our initial conversation. Wow. Um, yeah. But that couldn't work out for me. So I, uh, because that was too soon and too fast. So I went to work the next day and. Started talking to my boss about it, talked to my family and friends and just people in my life that I had obligations to. Right. And just started that preparation prep process. It was tough because I went through a period of several days where I felt like I was going to be putting people out or kind of leaving people shorthanded by going. Okay. Um, people that maybe I had obligations to, um, or I was in their life and maybe they. Um, I kind of felt like I was going to be making it hard on them, uh, to leave and go, but I just kept feeling the need to do it. And so I kept walking forward and about a week to week and a half later, I was in my car driving to New York. And that's when I got my real peace
0: about going. Well, when I first heard about you going to New York, um, it was in small group. And the girls were like, hey, we're going to pray for Christy. She's going up to New York. Christy, whatever emoji there is out there where your face just looks all (laughs) distorted, that's what happened. And I was just like, why is she doing this? She's like healthy and strong and she, you know, all the things that were like selfish reasons, Mm -hmm. Um, but they were like, no, she really feels like, you know, she has these Mm -hmm. abilities and she
1: wants to be used by God up there. And absolutely.
0: Oh my goodness. I love your heart. Uh, so you just felt like God was encouraging you to make, get in the car and drive to the Northeast side of the United States where this (laughs) pandemic is just like, I mean, it's all over the news. The governor is all on the news, man. Did you have any fears or
1: anxieties that just anything that really stuck out to you through the process? I did. I sure did. I thought about all the things like, well, what if I get it and I die there? Like my parents had that conversation. Like you oh. feel like you don't know at this place and time, like, well, who's, um, who's getting it and they can't handle it and they get sick and they don't make it. Um, so I thought through that for a little while talked to my parents about it and then just laid it down and thought, I can't live in the world of what ifs. I feel like that we are made for each other and we're made to help one another. And when there's a crisis or when there's a need for help, I, I felt like as a medical community in the United States, we should all be dropping what we were doing if we were in excess, like excess people, excess supplies, excess whatever, and sharing it and going and being in the middle of it. Because that's the only way we make it through hard times like that. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fears. I had a lot of worries. I had a lot of what ifs. And mm-hmm. um, when I was driving out of town, one of the um, what ifs that I had was my job at home. I had to lay it down and resign to be able to go and help out. Really? And I was just this is craziness. But um, after a week and a half of walking in this direction and getting the car, I was on my way out of town, and HR called and said, hey, we've thought about it. And on a case by case basis, we're gonna um, allow you to keep your job here. Um, It'll a a type of your job will be here when you get back. Um, And it was just like the Lord whispered, the Holy Spirit whispered in my heart. um, Sometimes you won't know my protection and my provision until you literally start walking in obedience in the direction I've told you to go. And it was, uh, that was huge for me because it, sometimes before we take a step out and do something, um, that we're scared to do, or we feel, um, impression to do, we, we oftentimes want it all to work out in our head first. Yes. Um, but it was like God saying, you know, after you're obedient, as you're walking out obedience, then I'll provide. Uh, so then I just felt totally energized. I felt more alive than ever. Wow. In 1 Corinthians 7, um, 17, a verse like really stuck out in my heart. And it uh, says something to the effect of, uh, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned you, uh, just as God has called you. And when I read that, I was like, oh, if this is where he wants me, I need to live it out to the most, yes. to the best that I can. What verse is that again? It's in 1 Corinthians 7:17. 7, and good. it's when Paul was talking to people just about real life situations, marriage, single, widowness, and um, down towards the end of it, he just says, "Nevertheless, the point of it all is, you should live as a believer, loving God in whatever situation you find yourself." And I was like, "All right.
0: <laughs> wow, what a huge call." And you answered the call. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you're, absolutely. Um- Life is an awesome testimony and where you're at is um, an awesome testimony to your faith. And wow, we are praying for you here. So we would like to know what are you seeing up there? How's the hospital?
1: When I first came, there's a big difference um, in the last three weeks. I'm, I'm nearing, I think the end of the third week. Um, The first, the first day I walked into that unit, um, the director of nursing had told us the day before that they normally have three critical care units and average 35 ICU patients in the, ho- in the hospital as a total on average. And on that day that I started, they had 14 makeshift ICU units, including their normal three, and they had 140 critical COVID-19 ICU patients. That's just covid critical patients that's not critical. stable COVID patients and so that is unbelievable um, I just I would have I could you can't imagine they were just putting critical care units up um, in every part of the hospital that they could find in the library in the conference centers in all of the PACUs in the hospital whether it's a GI lab or a cath lab or the OR you. Mm. So there was just tons of patients everywhere. And now, um, it's starting, it's starting to improve. We're seeing a tons of improvement. Um, either one of two things are happening. Either people are coming to the end of their illness and they're passing on or because they've been intubated on a ventilator on life support for like four, Four weeks now um, or five weeks and and your body, their bodies just aren't able to continue on. Or some of them are getting better and downgraded and they're starting their recovery.
0: Okay. Um, well, can I ask you a question about a huge myth? I was just talking to a girlfriend about it today. From what I'm hearing, it's more of people who have pre-existing conditions and who are elderly
1: that are dying from this? Would you say that's accurate or are you (laughs) seeing
0: different? That's
1: so hard to answer. I'm going to answer that um, in my small part of the universe in this small unit of 17 beds that, um, I walked into and, and I don't see that. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of us in the healthcare community, like nurses that I'm working with that we all say that we can't wait to see the big numbers, like okay. the really big numbers to know the real truth behind that. Like how many people actually had a ton of pre-existing conditions, how many were actually over the age of 70. Okay. Um, most of the patients that i'm that I have taken care of and that I have seen, I would say um, have mostly been fifty and sixty year olds some of them really? have pre existing conditions and some of them have not um, i I had two patients recently that I took care of um, one. Uh, is in his early 60s and has all the comorbidities COPD was a smoker was on oxygen before he came into the hospital hypertension high cholesterol um, which is high blood pressure high cholesterol another guy came in same age 62 Um, he had only one what we would call comorbidity or pre-existing condition and that was just high cholesterol and I Pre-COVID, I would not have thought of high cholesterol as that huge of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but in and of itself, we wouldn't say, oh, that person is ill. He's not healthy. That gentleman was working full time as a plumber. He was still working. He was strong. He had muscle mass. Um, He was a, a normal body weight. He was not obese. The other guy is with all the comorbidities. Which one got better? The one who has all the comorbidities in this situation is the one that's showing improvement. He's off the ventilator. He's talking to us. The other one just passed away um, the day before yesterday. So it's, it's really hard to know. I... Um, I wouldn't dare make a generality out of my small experience at this one hospital in this really big place, but that's what I've seen most, of 50 and 60 year olds. Um, I've had a guy as young as 37 and I had one patient actually who was 70 and I sent him home. He just Praise the the Lord. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Praise the Lord.
0: (laughs) Like Uh, throughout this whole thing, I'm really concerned about my grandparents because, I just don't, I have one who's in a nursing home and then two who are just like stir crazy. They're ready to get out of the house. So hearing something like a 70 year old recovered from it, that's so encouraging. I even have a question about people who are pregnant. I mean, I'm a, I'm May 17th is my due date, you know, so that's coming up. What about, have you seen any pregnant people?
1: I haven't. Um, our hospital, the hospital that I'm working in, um, the labor and delivery area got turned into a COVID unit, a COVID ICU unit, and they moved all the mom and baby, uh, labor and delivery to an outside of the hospital surgical unit, like okay. a outpatient surgical center. So they turned that into their labor and delivery. So I haven't really um, met or worked with anybody who is pregnant and had it. I've heard stories, but I don't, I don't have any firsthand okay. knowledge of that. We can't ignore the fact that when someone does have health conditions or they have a poor immune system and things like that, they're going to be more susceptible um, and it's going to be more difficult oftentimes for them to recover from anything they get, whether it would be this virus or another virus or pneumonia or Uh, a urinary tract infection so there is something to the fact that there are certain parts of our population that are vulnerable i just haven't firsthand seen that consistent like every one of my patients is does not fall into that category at all i don't know if anybody else tells you this but when you hear stuff like that where you know
0: basically how i'm receiving it is this could impact anyone differently and so yes. it's kind of an unknown. Um
1: mm. that's a little scary. I mean it what, is. how is that how is it received up there in New York? It is, it's the same. I even hear doctors telling me that are working that are treating our patients. Like I, I've even I asked one in particular on a really rough day like what's the deal like what what's the clincher what decides whether your immune system goes haywire and you can't handle this and what decides um that you can handle it and he just shrugged his shoulders he's like we have no idea we don't really understand it completely Uh um i i just think that um it'll take a lot more time for people to understand And we all have to deal with that fear and uncertainty. Well, what if I get it and I don't do well? What if I get it and I do do well? Mm -hmm. Um, And just take it. I just go back to that passage. Live in whatever situation you find yourself. Um, Don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the future or the past um, with what ifs um, because God gives us peace and comfort and whatever for today, not for our imaginations of what might happen or, um, or things that have already passed necessarily. Uh, so it's kind of challenging. <laughs> I love, I love that you keep going back to first Corinthians 717
0: I'm going to read it. Um, if that's okay. I pulled it up. Um, Nevertheless, yes. each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I lay down in all the churches. I just, I love that. And uh, above it, like talking about what the passage is about, it says concerning change of status. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, we're going through a huge change right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah. And 2 I've been following your Facebook post and staying in touch and praying for you up there. And I'm wondering how are the nurses and doctors doing
1: around you? Um, I think we're. When I first got there, they were. Um, I, the relief was unbelievable. They they were so welcoming, and they kept smiling and saying, "We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here." Every traveler that walked into that building, um, for a native person, a native worker at that hospital or in that community, they were just like, "We're so glad you're here. We needed this help. We needed oh, so wow. much." Help um because they had been running around for weeks um working in a very uncomfortable situation many of them were not even trained for the situations they were working in they were brought in from surgical centers in the community and they were tasked in the hospital because they were told the hospitals needed help and so they're even running around trying to help not necessarily a critical care nurse so when we started getting here um three and four weeks ago uh they were just relieved they were like you let us know how we can help you um the other thing i've seen is like pure exhaustion they're just tired So we have kind of tried to take the lead and and they've turned into just helping. And I love seeing them just sit down and not do anything because they've been through so much. Um, Doctors the same. They're weary of it all. Like They still keep trying and they still keep treating and they still keep talking to other physicians and they still keep trying to make treatment plans. But at the same time, I see them tired of seeing... 500 patients with the same thing and not having necessarily uh, great success stories. And I say that from a critical care perspective, not uh, maybe a stable COVID unit. There are plenty of people in the hospital who are getting better. I think last week we celebrated our 750th COVID discharge. And I think now we're in the 800s. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's amazing, Christy. Oh, that's so great. I'm so glad that you're there. Um, Mm -hmm. Another thing I wanted to ask you, because every time I watch the news, it's something about New York and the mayor's talking and um, all, you know, this and that, New York, New York, New York. Um, what is something that you're seeing that not necessarily the news isn't covering, basically something different than what you're seeing and what we're seeing back at home?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing when I first got here was I I felt like I I don't watch a ton of the news or listen to a ton of it. And I'm kind of grateful in times like this. But what I did kind of keep hearing, I thought was that there were plenty of supplies and plenty of this and plenty of that. And we've gotten the situation taken care of. And then when I got there, I was like, absolutely was not the case. Maybe they have plenty of ventilators, but treatment, um, direction kind of shifted a little bit and we didn't, I mean, we, they still needed ventilators for patients, but we really needed some of these other supplies that are needed to take care of critical patients well. Um, so that was something that didn't line up and, um, I don't know. I just become a little bit, um, distance from the media because there's a lot of things that, uh, and I wish I could think of a lot of specific examples that I don't feel like are always the full story. Okay. Um, but that's, that's the only example I can kind of think of that hit me when I first got here. Okay. What about now? How are you guys on equipment and resources? Um, we're we're getting better, but we're still short. We're still using some travel vents for patients instead of like the real deal big permanent vent that goes in the hospital. Okay. Um, we're still short on feeding pumps. Um yeah. and the shortages kind of come in waves. Like there'll be something that you need for some patients and you won't have it and then in a couple of days you will have it. It's just um it's kind of a really fluid situation. I- I'm hoping we're about to enter a time where we have more than what we need because we're, our numbers are dropping. Yes. Uh, so the close, yeah. So the closer we get back to normal census for the hospital, I think supply will return to normal.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds great. We'll be praying for that for sure. Um, Alongside you. And two, is there anything that we can do to help? Like here, I mean, Pensacola, like that's your place, you know, just yeah. anybody who's listening to this podcast, like we as a community, we want to come together um, as believers in Christ, and we want to help you and support you and those who are
1: alongside you. What would you recommend we do to help? I think that the most important thing for people to do is be in community, right where they are, uh, because there's hospitals in the Pensacola community. There are plenty of people that know medical staff, and even though our community hasn't been hit hard. Once everyone starts uh, going about regular business again, there might there might be some more cases pop up here and there, and I just think that for me being in community here, um, it has softened the blow of the tough stuff, the hard things that we deal with, and um, and that can translate into any um, tough situations that people find themselves in there in Pensacola, and I just think that. Um, enjoying the blessing of community is going to be contingent on people being willing to place themselves in community and be transparent. Um, And then in those um, moments and times and places, that's when people can really receive encouragement and healing and comfort. And then at the same time, they can give it. (laughs) Right. So I feel like um, translating it to right where, where a person is in Pensacola, and then as far as here, New Orleans, New York City, Miami, places in California and Washington, and any other hot spot that pops up, okay. um, I the only thing I can think of is just praying, praying for the doctors that are treating those people, praying for the nurses, praying for the families. Right. And the patients themselves, they um, get very afraid being in a place. They're confused, they don't always realize where they are, and, um, and then they don't have their loved ones with them, so that's mm. really tragic. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Have you dealt with any of that in New York? I I've yes. Seen Absolutely. A 37 a year old that I took care of, he was scared to death and we just had to keep getting really close to his face and just talking to him and talking him through every step. Um, it's hard to not, oh. it's hard to not have your family with you. Um, and then when someone comes very close to the end and we feel like we're running out of options, um, we'll invite um, a close family member or two or three um, to come visit them. So oh, just yeah. Yeah, having times to just stand with them, but not really, we're not really getting to like minister and encourage them like I normally would when they're around all the time um, because they're not there. So that's when I go back to community. It's so important for us to place ourselves in a community wherever we are so that we can get that encouragement and comfort and healing right and um, and two, just to like kind of I guess it would be redefine
0: community, that might not be meeting someone for coffee right now, you know what like that's not what it's you're fine. talking about, to kind you know. of define for everyone listening what you mean by community.
1: I just, I'm, well, for me right now, community is these nurses and physicians and these, well, they were strangers before I moved into the house, um, just talking to them, relating with them, being open and transparent, yeah. um, listening, hearing their stories. And that's, that's kind yeah. of my community here right now. Um, and then I have my super close friend community that I'm keeping in touch with by text, by phone, by phone by Zoom, by FaceTime, um, and just touching base with each other every couple of days and saying, okay. how are you? What's going on? Um, so okay. that's, that's the kind of community, the people that you can be um, transparent with or honest with. Sometimes yeah. that's super, that's just like one or two people that are super close to you. And sometimes that's your work environment, people that you wouldn't necessarily consider yourself intimate with, but you can still find a level of honesty and transparency to allow you to encourage one another.
0: That's good. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us, Christy, to let us know what's going on or educate us in any way on coronavirus and how God's using you?
1: I can't, I can't think of
0: anything. (laughs) I feel like you've educated us.
1: mm, I hope so. I hope so. The biggest thing is just being considerate of other people. And if you're sick, stay home. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. If you don't just feel well, please. <laughs> ah. Right. Oh, goodness. Yes. So, well,
0: thank you so much, Christy, for your time. And I always end these podcasts with a prayer. And, um, and I'm going to pray for you, if that's okay.
1: Awesome. Let's do it.
0: Hey, okay, Lord, I just pray for Christy right now. Lord, lift her up. Lift up her gifts and abilities, Lord, and just intervene in her life. Cover her from head to toe, Lord. You know everything about Christy. You know her passion for you, her love for you, and her love for the community that is around her currently and her community back home. Lord, I pray for her family in this time and her friends, and I pray that they are just a voice that is bringing your word to Christy and filling her up every day, Lord. Thank you so much for... Thank you so much for Christy. Thank you, Lord, for nurses and doctors who are out there being the hands and feet of Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that all of the nurses, all of the patients, anybody who is in a profession right now who is considered an essential worker I don't care if you work at a restaurant or whatever the essential worker is, Lord. I just pray that everyone in our positions, whether we're working from home or out in our communities that we decrease and Lord, you increase in our lives in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Christy. I love you. All right. I love you too. It's so awesome
1: to hear your voice and get to talk to you for a little bit.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you for your time and thank you for doing what you're doing up there. You're I, like looking at your, what you're, um, qualifications are a registered nurse with a bachelor of science in nursing and you have an extra certification in critical care nursing like you god has equipped you for this so thank you so much for stepping out in faith and and going up to new york we love you so much christy all right
1: thank you love you guys as well have a great day you too thanks bye all right bye
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. As we always say, if you would like to, please leave us a review, share this with your friends. It just supports the podcast in ways that you can't imagine. It gets the name out there to reach other people, to broadcast his love. And I just wanted to leave you with this message after hearing Christy's encouraging message of hope and of action. It's uh, a prayer and A call to action by a pastor out of Nashville at Ethos Church, he encouraged his um, congregation to pray this. What heart-shaping habits can we, or can I, if you're praying this, what heart-shaping habits can I step into to grow in godliness? If you have time on your hands right now, think about this prayer. It's from the pastor at Ethos Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He said, Pray this, what heart shaping habits can I step into to grow in godliness? And he referred that back to first Timothy six, where it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. I pray that you have a great day. I pray for contentment and godliness in your life. And I pray that you think about the statement that he said, what heart-shaping habits can I step into to grow in godliness? And you rock. Don't forget it. I hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening.